do, we'll just slide in. There's some people standing in the back waiting for us. So God bless you and Merry Christmas. My wife and I and my family just want to say thank you. We are so honored and blessed to be the pastor that serves God and you in this church and community. We're so excited about what God's doing. We know that God has some great plans for us together. And as we come into here this Sunday, I was thinking last Sunday was the last Sunday of the year. We got one more to go. So uh, we're going to do that one and keep it going, believing that God is doing something significant in our lives. He is. And so as we prepare ourselves, I think Christmas Eve is one of my favorite services of the year. As we just pause, there's been a lot of hecticness. There's a lot of craziness in life and a lot of stuff going on in your families. Probably had some stuff going on today. Maybe some of you had to work and tomorrow you get together. We understand there's tons of emotions that go with holiday seasons. There's some stress involved. There's some challenges that are involved. You have some family issues. Some people that are broken, they're hurting. Their family is broken. Their family has been broken recently. There are other people in our church that are going through some stuff, and not just in our church, your families in the community. I want us to just pause for just a moment before we read some scriptures and have our communion tonight. I want to share with you that, you know, we do have uh, several members going through chemo. Some are going to the hospital. We're so blessed to have Sandy here tonight with us, her and Dave. And uh, she's going through going through her chemo treatments, and she has not uh, been able to be out for quite a while. And uh, so we're so blessed to see her walk through the door back there. Um, you know, we Kim and I prayed with uh, TJ tonight and little Moses, as you know, um, we as a church have been praying for him. He's just a little boy of 12 years old, and uh, he is not well, and he's in the last stages of the disease that's taking his life. And so as a family, they're there over off Miranda Road. They come into church. It's just they have been such an incredible blessing to us, and uh, we lift them up. And, and right now, there's, there's a lot of needs. We just want to pray. We're so grateful for this time of year. What would we ever say to a mother like TJ? Who's looking at her little boy if there wasn't a hope in Jesus? What would we say to Dave and Sandy as they're going through chemo treatment? What would we say to Mike and Judy that are in the hospital right now? And Mike, his condition that he's in, Rick Sword, the many others that we have going through stuff right here. Some that don't want to be mentioned publicly. And, and then the, the homes that are empty tonight because their loved one is gone. If it wasn't for Jesus, what would we do? We would have no hope, no words of comfort, nothing. My heart breaks for the world who thinks there's nothing else. It breaks because there is no hope in their life. If this life is all there is to hope for, you know, you're pretty screwed. (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, it's just like, come on, man. There's so much more. And, And then there's so much more because of Jesus in this life. And to know that we have the hope of afterlife is incredible. And so as we just want to lift each other up, maybe there's some people with some needs right around you. We want to pray for one another. We're a family. This is family prayer time. And so I hope that you'll do that with your family at dinner tonight, tomorrow, whenever you have it together. Just pause for a few moments to say thank you and just lift our needs to them. And so, Father, as we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, we're a family. We're blessed. We're excited. We have great days. We have challenges. We have some members that are hurting, some brokenness, some dysfunction in our family. Thank you for Jesus. (laughs) Thank you that it's not just that we have to exist, but that we have hope, and that, Lord Jesus, you came to give us life to the 
full. And so, God, we ask peace over the brokenness. We ask your grace on the hearts of those that are hurting and in need tonight. We just pray for TJ, for Moses, for the kids, for the family. Lloyd, Lord, get a hold of his heart. He needs you. Lord, we need you. Every person in this room tonight come to a, a revelation of the newness of the reality of God in their own personal life. Lord, there are people here tonight that maybe don't even believe in you. Lord, we love you and we ask for mercy on their behalf that you would make yourself tangibly real. For those that are watching at home and online, across the country and around places, Lord, we just ask you to just be in their homes, bring healing and, and help into their hurt and their hearts of brokenness. As tonight, Lord, we celebrate the whole meaning for what this is all about. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> There's a lot of teachings of Jesus. Not all of them are right. Not all of them are true. But he is truth. He is right. And the, the Apostle John, in writing his letter, he wrote the last of the Gospels. He's the only Apostle that lived a full life and died in old age. Every other one of the Apostles were killed for their faith. And the Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John, which is St. John in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He wrote that book. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John later in the Bible, put in there, and then he wrote the book of Revelation. And as he, in his, he was called the Beloved. He had a very personal and, and real relationship with Jesus that was different than the other apostles, and that's why he was called the Beloved. And as he wrote to us in his epistle, uh, I'm sorry, the Gospel, in the Gospel of John, I want you to understand when you read that book, and it's the first one I tell everybody, if you're just new to reading the Bible, go to the book of John. And the reason I tell you that is because it was the gospel written about Jesus to a general audience. Matthew was written to the Jew, and it has all kinds of prophetic things and law that are involved in it to show to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. And then in Mark, it was written to the Romans. There's nothing about his birth. There's nothing about the prophecies or anything like that, because to the Romans, it didn't mean anything. What they were showing was he was a man of action, and he was the Savior. And then there's Luke, and Luke was written to the Greeks. And Greeks were all about the body and uh, the supernatural and all that kind of stuff. And so there's more miracles of Jesus recorded in Luke than any of the other Gospels. And then John is written to the general audience to believe. John himself states in the 20th chapter of his book that he says the reason this is written, this book is written, and he said, if we wrote everything about Jesus, the world itself could not contain the books. But the reason this is written is that you might believe and know that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. It, and it's the whole purpose of his writing. Amen. He is. So in the very beginning of the Bible, we're not going to go through it all, so don't worry. And I know our time, okay? So, but in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God... A lot of times people misunderstand the scriptures and they think like it's, we're going to learn about God. What you're going to learn about God is that God loves us. That's what you're going to learn from the Bible because it's not a story of God. It's a story of God's love for us. And so the Bible doesn't go around trying to prove God exists. He does. 
And he thinks we ought to have enough common sense that he placed inside of us to look at the world around us and say, there is a God. And I want to know who he is. And so anyone that has common sense enough to understand the magnitude of creation, understands there's a supreme being in all of this. And so God sent us a letter that has never been able to be disproved throughout generations, that it is his word. And every time they look to try and discredit it, it is they that are discredited because the word of God holds true because it is God's word. And so in the beginning of that Bible, it says, in the beginning, God. He is, he was, that's who he is. And so John, when he writes to us, he says this to us. It's so cool how he did it. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Then he goes on to talk to us a little bit about the word becoming flesh among us. And this is what it says. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And so church, I want everyone in this room to understand that Jesus didn't just come into being in Bethlehem as a baby. He existed from the beginning and he was God. And God himself came as a baby to redeem us. And this is why it is so critically important for us to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is God. He's not some dude. He's not a man. He's not a prophet, although he did fulfill the role of a prophet. He is God. And he is God in flesh. God and flesh. And it's the reason why the virgin had to give birth to him is because he had to be perfect and sinless. Otherwise, the sacrifice would mean nothing for me and you. And he needed to die in the flesh as human because humanity had sinned and broken the relationship with the creator. And so when God became flesh, he came in the perfection of the virgin birth through Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. So that he would come not of the seed of man, and he is the only one in all the Bible recorded as the seed of woman. And so God came and planted a seed. A lot of our scientists think they're so smart and stuff when they're doing this interview. You know, all that crap they do, you know. Like, ah, we're going to make, God's like, I did this already, guys. Just catch up to me here. I just did it, you know. And he did it way before we understood any of that stuff. And he planted that seed within her, and then God became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, when he lived and he died and he rose from the grave, the Apostle Paul wrote something to the church in Romans that is like uh, such an incredible thing when he wrote it. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I mean, like, here's the crazy thing, man. You know, we struggle with love and we struggle with doing stuff for people unless they do something for us. And uh, that's not love. Love is doing it because love says, I want to help you. I want to fix you. I'm there for you. And it's not waiting for reciprocation. It is offered. And, the, and John wrote also in John three sixteen. you know this verse, everybody does in the whole wide world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so this gift that God gave to us was for all of us. And the reason that he came, he tells us in John 17, as he prayed for us, he said, Father, glorify your name, for it is this reason that I came, and Lord, here I am, now let it be done and be glorified. And he went and gave his 
life for us at the cross of Calvary. When he cried, it is finished, there on the cross, and he gave up the spirit to the Father, the word of God tells us that in that death, the earth shook, there was a great earthquake, there was darkness on the face of the earth, and there was this amazing thing that took place, church. We don't understand it, I don't understand it, we'll never grasp but understand that when Jesus Christ died, that he took your sins and mine upon himself, and he paid that penalty, that judgment of God himself. It's, it's beyond our comprehension that God would take the punishment on himself that is due us so that we don't have to take it. And then here we are as people being offered by God this incredible gift. He says, I, I've paid the price, come to me. And, and so many people in their arrogance say, who are you? Prove yourself to me. And he gave his life for us. He loves us. He's reached out to us. There's evidence, tangible evidence of him everywhere we go on planet Earth. There is evidence of God. And so Jesus, when he was there with the disciples, right after he did the high priestly prayer, Father, glorify yourself, went to the garden. He, before he went to the garden, I'm sorry, he was in the upper room with the disciples. And they were eating the Passover, you know. And as they were having the Passover, Jesus said, I have longed to have this Passover meal with you. It's the last time I'm going to do it until it's fulfilled in the tomb. And he said he won't have it again until we're all together. And he broke the bread and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And they did it. They didn't know, have a clue. Didn't understand it. Then he said, take this cup and drink it. It's the blood of the new covenant. My blood, which is shed for the remission of the sins of many. And so Jesus is doing this table service to the disciples around the table. And they're taking it and they're doing it. But they don't know what's going on. They had no idea that in just a few minutes they would be walking outside and Jesus would be arrested. The next day he would give his life for us and be broken. But he told them this. He said, as often as you do this, break this bread, drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. So as we come into Christmas celebration and we think about the baby, understand that there's always a cross behind that manger. Understand that, church. He came for a purpose, for your redemption and mine. And as he did this, he invited us to his table. And he said, would you come and be a part of what I'm doing? Would you come into relationship with me? And so what we do here is, is what we practice is an open communion. I want you to understand this. There's no alcohol in the drink. We understand we have people recovery. Uh, we use um, grape juice, 100%. There's no alcohol in it. And we have bread. And so we practice an open communion. What we mean by that is that anyone and everyone is welcome at the Lord's table. Jesus Christ has invited us all to him. But he did say to us, don't come and drink it unless we're in a relationship together. And so if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. It's critically important. I talked about it on Sunday when we were talking about the church and the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, don't you dare eat that unworthily because you'll mess yourself up. You don't come to the table with dirty hands and an impure heart. So before you come to the table of the Lord, you need to talk to him and have him examine your heart, not your neighbor's heart, not your family's heart, not everybody else's heart. He said, examine your heart. Examine it before the Father. I promise you the Holy Spirit will prompt you. And if there's anything in your heart that is not right between you and God, he'll let you know. 
And you need to repent of that and get that out of the way. And then you need to come to the table of the Lord and receive the communion because this is done in remembrance of what he did for us. So as we celebrate Christmas, the purpose of it is to remember that we were bought at a great price, that God himself came for us. He loved us and he redeemed us. And he gave us this incredible opportunity, church. It's amazing. And so we're going to have a few moments where we examine ourselves and I'm going to take the lids off the communion. What I did today is place the communion on the altar. This is what we call this place right here place where we come and do business with God and so there's no better place for the communion table to be set than on the altar itself and what we're going to ask you to do if you would please is to come down this aisle and those on this half the church come down that aisle pick up your communion stuff and if you would go this way around to your seats and this is what we're going to do as we practice the communion what we're going to ask you to do is just receive it the cup and the bread take it with you and you have communion with the Lord when your heart is ready we will not do it as a public like hey, everybody eat it everybody drink it you need to do it as a personal time with you and God in your seat take it with you and if you have children and you want them to have communion that's between you them and God that's up to you to determine what you're going to do okay but everyone's welcome if you're physically unable to get up after one of everyone else is served, we will ask and someone can raise a hand and we'll bring that out to you to serve you. And after that, we're just going to have one song in the closing time. This is a very special and meaningful time for us as a church and as a people. This is a time that God has set aside for us to know who he is in a personal and real and tangible way. And so if you would, would you bow your heads and let's examine our hearts before the Lord.
sheep and goats could not remove our sins and only cover them. Only the blood of Christ can remove our sins from us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you will. God, in the blood of Christ, thank you, Lord. If it's a family member that needs some help, you're welcome to take it back with you to them in their seat. That's works for you.
tangible love of God that came to us. In, in John's writing in the first letter of John, which would be one of those three books just before Revelation, he said, God is love. He is love. Therefore, when we understand that, if there is no God, there is no love. One of the things that frustrates the world around us is the ever pursuit of love with an inability to find it without knowing who he is. And therefore, church, what we celebrate tonight is the fact and understanding that we have received love and it is God himself. And therefore, as we share that together and understand that, we have the tangible expression of love within us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we are to go out and share that love with the world. And this is what God did. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave. And therefore, when we leave the church, it is the call of God that we would share his love with the world around us, expressing not only in words that love, but tangibly living that love in the flesh, in the world. For we were called as salt and light to this world to be the tangible hands and feet and the embracing of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you go to celebrate Christmas tomorrow and you get your gifts and all the stuff that's going on, the dinner time and everything, don't forget to share the love of who God is in your life with one another. We as a church want to sing one more carol together before we dismiss you to be with your families. So would you stand with us as we come together to sing one final Christmas carol?